Welcome. This is the Loving Liberty Network. This is the Liberty Moms Show. Liberty Moms are the original secretaries of defense, the real defenders of the home front. We are there when it comes to defending our families and our communities. I'm your host today, Delaine England, and we have a special guest on with us, Liberty Mom, Kristen Chevrier. Welcome, Kristen. Thank you, Delaine. It's nice to be here. We have a lot to talk about today because it is almost at the end of the legislative session of Utah. We only have a week and two days left, and which is seven days, and there's a lot going on and a lot to talk about, but before we dive into this, I would like to just ask our audience to please keep Marianne Christensen and her family in their prayers. Marianne Christensen is a great Liberty mom. I'm so sorry. She is a great Liberty mom and a great woman, a great patriot, and she had her husband just suddenly pass away this week, and it's just shocking and really a very difficult loss. What an amazing family they have, and so I just ask everyone to keep her and her family in your prayers this week, and she's just... She knows her mission, and she will continue on with it. So that is a great thing. So, okay, Kristen, there's so much to talk about, so many great bills. One of my very favorite bills at this session, which is keeping me going because it's such a great bill, and it's actually progressing even though it's against a lot, is SB208, Employee Medical Protection. The very beginning of this session, I went and I was, like, trying to find a sponsor that would sponsor this bill because like this is so important to me because what we have found we have noticed the last year as we've had this emergency which I don't consider it an emergency because I consider an emergency uh, the definition of emergency is an as a, a disastrous event it's a disaster that happens so it's an event it isn't a long lifelong culture and lifestyle change which is what we have experienced and I we've also seen that most of the tyranny that has come down to us has not really been so much from the government as it has been coming from businesses from big big businesses and a lot That's of the right. things as over the, and not just this past year but the past decade a lot of the liberties that we've lost lost a lot of our freedom has come not from the government it has come from big big bureaucracy businesses. And so I was very concerned because there was not a movement or any really desire of the, the legislators to force employees to vaccinate, but I could see it definitely coming from businesses. That was my biggest concern. So I, I kind of think that you are are the one that went to Senator Kennedy and got Senator Kennedy to sponsor this bill. Am I right? 
Yes, you are right. Glenn. I, I did go to him and ask him to run this bill. I I drafted it with a couple of friends or, or we, we drafted it and then sent it to the the attorneys to redraft right. it. Right. We can't we can't just of do course. the final draft. But um, we did. It's it's probably the most important issue of the whole session, in my opinion, because um, if we don't have the ability to control what goes into our skin or into our mouths, then we, whatever else we have isn't worth much. So that's why we went to do this bill. And initially, the, the bill that you saw in the committee the other day is um, a lot broader than the bill that you're going to see on the Senate floor um, because we, we are afraid we won't be able to pass it with with all of the other stuff in it. So what we've narrowed it down to is the vaccine issue. So if anything, anything that breaks your skin or goes in your mouth cannot be forced. And and that's pretty much Kristen, where we've left it. You, you kind of keep cutting out if there's a way for you to Okay. Okay. Um so that is a really interesting that's a really interesting way to describe it because that is one of the things that concerns that I have, especially with this vaccination, is I don't really like to have things injected into my body because the body is designed, has two ways out. So if you eat something that is poisonous or bad for you or you ingest something in through the mouth that's not good for you, your body has two ways to get rid of it. And so then it can expel it in a natural way so that it saves your body from either dying or getting very sick from it. And so that is the problem with when you inject something, your body doesn't have a way to get it back out if it is toxic right. to it or if it doesn't agree with it. So I really right. like that definition. And well, a lot I'm of excited. the things that, sorry, a lot of the no, things that ahead. you inject into your body actually cross the blood brain barrier. And so you can have um, seizures and, and brain damage from, because the things that they put in to make your body accept the, the antigen and develop immunities to it often go th also open up the blood-brain barrier. So they open up everything, and then the toxins can go and settle in your brain. Which so is, which is where the scary. real damage happens. Yeah, is when it goes into your brain. What's really scary, and it right. and it doesn't happen to everybody, but it does happen to people, and it's not even what I would call extremely right. rare. Because it, no. I know a lot of people. I know, I know personally a lot of people that it's happened to. So, so it's I think some unusual. of the important things that we need the legislators to understand are uh, the most important thing is informed consent. We need them to understand what the meaning of informed consent is and the value of it and why we have it. Because during World War II, we had people experimenting on human beings and doing horrific damage and killing people. And um, it was because of that that we decided as a society that, that we were going to, um, that we were, we were going to enforce or I, we're not enforcing it, <laughs> but but we need to have the the 
concept of informed consent. And even through the 1960s, they were experimenting on uh, the children of women prisoners, the babies of women prisoners in the U.S. This isn't just yes. abroad. Not just Germany, and, but in the U.S. Yeah, yes. and foster children, um, children who were in homes or whatever, and they're still being experimented on right now, today. What? So they're, be, they're being given psychotropic drugs for experiment. And they're also be, being given vaccines to just to see what will happen. And it's totally unethical and, and, and totally wrong. But the same thing is happening with employers. We have all of the medical people who are subjected to annual flu shots against their will. And I know many of them get sick. And um, some of them have to quit their jobs because their bodies cannot handle the insult. So um, anyway, it's, it's super important that we underscore and support the idea of informed consent. And informed consent, contrary to what a lot of the medical people try to make it look like, it's not, we'll tell you what we're going to do and then we're going to do it. It's, we'll tell you everything we know about, about whatever it is you're looking at, a procedure or a, a drug or an injection. And then um, you will decide without any penalty or coercion, you will decide what you feel is best for your body. Which and is that's what this bill so is doing. Yes. So when you go to get a job or you have a job and your employer comes and says, I want you to get a vaccination, then you have the right to decide if with all the information, as much as anybody knows about it, and decide if you want to have that done or if you're going to choose not to. Because when you're right. at work, an employer has a great deal of power over you. And I'm an employer, and I know I want my employees to do what I need them to do when they're at work. I have a lot of control, and we exchange that control. We say, you give me control over your time and your life, and I will give you money or whatever. We compensate each other for it. And um, that's, that should be, that is fair when you're at work, but you, an employer shouldn't be able to control what you, your, your life and your body when you're not at work. So we're going to take a quick break and we're going to be right back and we're going to finish talking about this bill and several other bills. Stay normal to be constipated with belly pain, straining, and bloating again and again. No way. You could have a chronic condition called irritable bowel syndrome with constipation, or IBSC. Linzess, or linaclotide, is a prescription that treats IBSC in adults. Linzess works differently than laxatives to help relieve belly pain and let you have more frequent and complete bowel movements. Individual results may vary. Do not give to children less than 6, and it should not be given to children 6 to less than 18. It may harm them. Do not take Linzess if you have a bowel blockage. Get immediate help if you develop unusual or severe stomach pain, especially with bloody or black stools. The most common side effect is diarrhea, sometimes severe. If it's severe, stop taking Lens S and call your doctor right away. Other side effects.
effects include gas, stomach area pain, and swelling. Talk to your doctor today. You may be able to save on Lens S and make fewer trips to the pharmacy. See if you're eligible to pay as little as $30 for 90 days. Visit LensS.com or call 1-800-L-I-N-Z-E-S-S. Sponsored by Abbey and Ironwood Pharmaceuticals. Here's some great news. If you missed the deadline to sign up for health insurance, or more importantly, if you sign up for a plan that you're just not happy with, you still have a choice. It's called MediShare, and MediShare is a Christian healthcare sharing program. It's been around for 25 years. They have more than 400,000 members now around the country. And get this, over the years, MediShare members have shared more than $2 billion of each other's medical bills, so they could help share your needs too. And best of all, you could save a lot of money with MediShare. The typical savings for a family is around 500 bucks a month. Your savings could be more or less, but think about what you could do with that extra money every month. So if you think you're stuck with a high-cost health plan that doesn't have much to offer, think again. You can join MediShare anytime, so call them today and check it out. There's no pressure. They're super easy to talk to. 833-34-BIBLE. That's 833-34-BIBLE. 833-34-BIBLE. Pounds and pounds of fur. Our hairballs have hairballs. Our cat mama, she's 10 years old. She has dandruff and an oily coat. I have two cats, Zippy and Daisy. Daisy sheds like crazy. If you love your pets as much as I do, you want to do what's best for them to live long, healthy, happy lives. D-I-N-O-V-I-T-E dot com. I just tried this wonderful, catalicious Dynavite for cats, and my cat has been on it for two weeks. She is not scratching anymore. She's not chewing anymore. It is just the best. I was thrilled when I heard Dynavite for cats was coming out because I had seen the changes in my dog. To introduce my cat to Dynavite, I took the advice from Dynavite and put their food on top of just a scoop in the bowl just to get them used to it because I know if I even switch one little thing, they put their nose up to it. There was not one problem. Dynavite for life. You won't believe how happy your cat will be. D-I-N-O-V-I-T-E dot com. Welcome back. This is the Loving Liberty Network, and this is the Liberty Mom Show. This is Delaine England, your host, and we're on with Liberty Mom, Kristen Chevrier. Thank you, Kristen. So just let's just finish up and tell a little bit more about SB208, Employee Medical Protection. So it just basically gives power to employees that if they do not want to get a, a vaccination after being fully informed, that they can choose that to have autonomy over their own bodies and decide if they want to get a vaccination or not in order to, um, right. and it, it will not be dependent on them being able to keep their job. So the, there That's are right. some exceptions to that, Kristen. There are share, some exceptions. Um, unfortunately, because of heavy pressure from the big money lobbies, um, we would not be able to move this bill forward at all if we didn't exempt certain portions of the population. And unfortunately, one of those portions of the population is the one that I most wanted to protect, and that is the healthcare workers. So um, they are they are exempted from this bill, but that doesn't mean I'm going to stop trying because they are a, a very vulnerable and abused portion of the population. So for this year, we just need to take one little step. And this is, it's huge because we, the opposition is so powerful. And if you watch yes. the committee hearing or listen to it, you can see how powerful they are. 
So um, if we can get anything through, um, I'll feel like a miracle has happened. So what we have right now, we've we've ex- exempted the Department of Defense contractors, and we've exempted the healthcare workers, and then there is a small segment of the public health department that is also exempted because they go into hospitals and all of this stuff. So, and they want and, them. they they want to have it anyway. So. Yeah, I think that they do. Uh, the nurses don't, though, and, and a the lot nurses of the doctors do not. don't. So, I, I'm telling you, I have met so many nurses who are begging for this, saying, I do yeah. not. And they are very pro-vaccination. They are big pro-vaccinators, but they do not want the COVID-19 vaccination. And they're, right. they're, they've already been threatened. In fact, I am assuming at this point, they would have had to have had it by now. Yeah, I so guess, right now, necessarily all of them. Um, we're waiting for the substitute bill that accommodated the Department of Defense contractors and um, removed some of the things that we had in there. We had a pretty broad swath of medical interventions that we were including, and we've cut it down to just vaccines because that's the most invasive and the most dangerous of the things that, that we had listed. So we've cut it to that. We've excluded the, the people that I mentioned. And um, we're hoping that it will be on the Senate floor soon. But we're just waiting for the new language. Okay, so, so that's something we need to everybody to be watching for. SB 208, Employee Medical Protection. That passed the Senate committee. It will be on the Senate floor hopefully very soon. Then it still has to go to the House floor, it it should go to a House committee, but it may actually, they may just suspend the rules and not have it go to a committee because there's not very much time left. In fact, fact, that probably is what will happen because I don't think they're going to have committee meetings next week. And so um, then it would just go to the House floor. And and so we just need to really let, let your legislators, excuse me, let your legislators know this is a very important bill to you and that you really want to honor and respect people's rights over their own bodies that we don't exactly give that right be, out to our bodies be when we go to very work. careful with your messaging um it's important that you stick to the fact that informed consent is so important um yes it, it if you get off into the weeds about vaccines then a they don't yes. have time to read it and b you might just stir up things that you didn't mean to stir up. So exactly. the important message is informed consent. People deserve to have informed consent. Kristen, that really is the message because this isn't really a vaccine bill. This isn't really no, it's about a freedom that. Bill. It, it's very much about freedom, being fully informed and then being able to choose and decide for your own self. And so we don't want to get into the weeds with a big um, vaccine debate with the legislators, because most of the legislators do vaccinate their families and are vaccinated and and, the, and are pro-vaccination. So we don't want to get in a fight with them about that. It's just like, should I have a right to be fully informed and then make a decision over my body? That really is the what the bill does and what the debate is about. So yeah, let's stay with that. Right. Um, okay, another bill that I'd like to talk about, which will take a little bit of time. They'll just have to be as brief as possible. But I think, again, it's one of the most important bills is SB 195, Emergency Powers. Now, this bill, as most bills, has got a lot of good stuff in it, and it has some not very good at all stuff in it. 
and so this is this is the this is the the actual art of politics this is the reality of passing bills and of the legislature most every bill has stuff in it that we do not like and there i i have yet to be involved in a bill that is perfect and it's just like this is perfect it just came out exactly how we want it i i don't know of any time after 30 years that that has happened so it is about compromise you just have to decide what you can live with here is what the good things what sb 195 excuse me sb 195 here are the great things about sb 195 because there are some really awesome things if you do not like the tyranny that you have lived under for the last year, and that would not include everyone, but if you have not enjoyed having the government micromanage your life and tell you what you can and can't do, and be under these restrictions of movement, how to assemble and who you can assemble with, um, there's a lot of this bill you're going to like. So this will make it so that the emergency declarations have to end after 30 days. They can end, the legislature can combine with the House and the Senate, come together and they can end the um, a, a declaration of emergency. And they can do that. They can override the executive branch. So that's a very positive thing so that we can't just have it ongoing and they can't renew it. They just can't automatically renew it. Just like the governor just did on the 22nd of February. He waited until almost midnight. We're like, fingers crossed, we're praying, okay, we're going to be out from underneath this. And then Right before midnight, he renewed it, and we're in it another month, another 30 days. Um, so that is that would end that. That's really a big deal. That would end it. That would be really, really nice. Um, it also gives the county and the legislature power to terminate an order. And so that that's a really good thing. Another thing that I really like about it is, the health department has to notify the legislature 24 hours before they issue an emergency order. But of course, the real question here is why is an unelected, unaccountable one person from the health department making mandates or laws regarding every single person in our state? That is completely um, an, a violation of the intent and the spirit of our Constitution. So that is not how our republic works. It should be done by law by our legislature. So I'm imploring everyone, please, again, very respectfully tell your representatives, tell your House members, because it's already passed the Senate, tell your House members, please change this bill so that the health department cannot unilaterally, singly, make these mandates and declarations that it needs to be done by the legislature or even even the executive branch that's elected, but it needs to be done by a, a group of people, not one person, and it needs to be done by elected people, not unelected people that you can never talk to, you can never visit with them, you cannot hold them accountable, you can't unelect them, you can't even call, try calling Angela Dunn and having a conversation with her. <laughs> yeah. We are going to take a quick break and we're going to be right back to finish the details on SB 195.
Welcome back. This is the Loving Liberty Network. This is the Liberty Moms Show. Liberty Moms are the original secretaries of defense, the real defenders of the home front. We are there when it comes to defending our families and our communities. I am your host today, Delaine England, on with Liberty Mom, Kristen Chevrier. We are so happy to have you join us. So we were talking about SB 195 emergency powers, and one of the concerns that we have is that the the health department has in the past been able to declare these emergencies with just just one person unilaterally, just like we're declaring it. And we really feel the need to rein this in. And so we would, I would personally like to have the bill amended that the health department is an advisory council that they recommend what, what the legislature does. And the legislature is the one that actually um, declares the emergency. But one of the nice things about this bill, it, it, it is a very long, it's a very long law. The law is like 900 something pages, but that's the law. The part of the bill that's added is just the part that's underlined. So when you go to look at this bill, everything in writing is already in law, but if it's underwrite, it's what they want to add to the current law. So on lines 314 to 317, there's an excellent clause that basically says the legislature can terminate at any time by joint resolution, so both, both the House and the Senate can get together, and by a majority vote, they can end at any time any, any emergency declared by the health department. And it also says that a county governing body, so that would be a county commissioners or a county mayor, can also go in and end the emergency that the health department has declared. So that is a great caveat, and that does make this this particular bill uh, uh, able to be passed with that in it. So I'm going to talk about some of the things we like about the bill, and then we're going to talk about some of the problems of the bill, because there are some serious problems. Another thing I really like is that right now, the fine or penalty, if you violate a order of constraint or, you know, a mandate, the fine right now is $10,000, and that can be assessed every day that you're out of compliance. And so the bill takes that down to anyone that is a business or an association. They can only be fined $5,000, and it cannot, they cannot be fined more than once a week. So I think that is still extremely egregious and far too high, but I think we have to be careful not to lift look a gift horse in the mouth. So um, I've tried fighting that when I haven't gotten anywhere with it. There's like, hey, this was very generous. So what do you think, Kristen? It's from 10,000 down to 5,000 for, well, for business. Well, it's 10,000 down to 5,000 and it's once a week instead of every day, right? It's significant. Yeah. It's significant. It's, it's not enough. Money. It's not enough, but it's significant. Right. And I think it's a good first step. So, um, and then it also, it is a great first step. Yeah, it's the right direction. The, also, the other things that happen in the bill will cause this to happen less frequently, because if Let's if hope. we can yes. at any time stop an order, then then once the order stops, then the fine stops, right? Yes, but that that is true. Except that the the. When, when we get to the parts that we don't like about the bill, that actually makes this part, it, it, because this is in the criminal code. 
it's not just in the health department's code. This oh, would okay. be in criminal code. So, so that it kind of, it kind of is like um, switching out. So that is why the amendments are very, very vital to this bill. So, and then, and then I wanted to also say if, if an individual gets fined, the individual penalty goes from $10,000 down to $150. And again, that's not, can't be assessed every day. That's once a week. So, it makes a huge difference on an individual. So if you are going to do something that violates the order, do it as an individual. Don't do it as an organization. <laughs> right. <laughs> that's, a, that's the deal there. The, the other thing that I do like, which also has a caveat to it, is that in other states, I don't know that it really happened in Utah. I, don't, I can't think of any time. But in other states, like in Nevada, and, and really a lot of other states, there they would tell religious gatherings that they could not gather religiously, but they, or that, or that they could only be gather 50 people or 10 people, but then they let clubs and bars and other organizations or other gatherings happen with about the same regulation and restrictions. So Senator Vickers put into this bill that no religious gathering can be any more restringent, rest restricted, than any other gathering. So they're all in the same even even playing field, which I think is definitely a huge improvement to our current law. That would be really good, although Utah didn't really overstep that, so maybe it's not as big a concern. The uh, But the other problem that I have is that when would it be appropriate for the government to tell people they cannot gather for religious purposes? When would that be okay? So I'm working with a legislator right now to take that part out and just say um, religious gatherings that the government really can't step in. And um, I'm trying to find the line that that is. Um, I can't remember what line that is. It take me a minute. But basically all we have to do is just take out the part that says that they can't be fined, that religious gatherings, that the government can't restrict that. Because we don't want to take the whole amount out because we do want it to say that the government can't restrict religious gatherings, period, end of story, so that, that we do have some protection for religious gatherings in there. So the, those are the parts of the bill that I think are really good, and, and I like the fact that we could with this bill, end this nightmare and end this ongoing, continual re-upping of these emergency orders. It's Groundhog Day. Groundhog when, Day Groundhog in the worst Day. way. In the worst way, especially when you take into consideration that over 99% of people survive this. This is not an epidemic. It's a pandemic because it, it's crossed borders of other countries, but an epidemic, I would not consider the fact that we don't, we haven't lost more lives than we normally do. We have the same rate of death, which I, I'm very, I don't mean to sound callous because I, I hate losing life. I'm very sad for every person who's died of COVID or pneumonia or the flu or of a car accident or of depression and isolation and, yeah. and suicide. It breaks my heart. It's very sad. That what is also true and real is we cannot pass laws that stop people from getting sick. You can't pass a law that stops people from dying. 
I, it's not warm and fuzzy. It's not gushy. It's not emotional, but it is a truth. There isn't anything the government can do to stop us from getting sick and dying. We can mitigate the risks and we want to, but we also need to, to balance in all the other aspects of life. And Kristen, have we not found as of late the last several years that we are governing our entire country, maybe the world, our whole state is being governed by emotion rather than by facts. We've entered yeah. into a massive science denier reality. We want to deny reality, deny truth, deny science, and say, and yet, it, and yeah. yet they say they are following the science every they time. They keep saying, That's follow the, say. we need to follow the science and do what we feel. And then they get feel. all emotional about it and they forget yes. that the science does not support what they're doing. Exactly. So, okay, we need to hurry and talk about the things that need to be changed and amended in this bill. We don't have very much time. So we've talked about the religious liberty. That needs to be amended. The other thing that just terrifies me, I can't even believe that it's actually in the code, but it is order of constraints. Doesn't that just sound sweet? Order of constraint. And... Um, Order of constraint, which means it gives the, it puts it in code that the local health department can issue an order of constraint without the approval of the chief, chief executive officer. So without the approval of the governor, the mayor, um, and that they do have to notify them. And that is only if they feel that there's going to be a loss of life due to the imminent threat. But I'm very concerned about the language in order of constraint because it basically says that, that the government can constrain us and that they can give us stay-at-home orders. And we're out of time. We're going to take another quick break. And I promise you we will be back and we will explain the ins and outs of this very briefly. Maybe you've heard about MediShare and you know what it is. It's the affordable alternative to health insurance. But you've wondered, can I really save a significant amount of money on my monthly health care bills? And the answer is an emphatic Yes, you can. You can save a lot of money, whether it's just for you or for an entire family. MediShare has an option for you. In fact, the typical family saves $500 a month switching to MediShare. And it really is the gold standard when it comes to healthcare sharing. You get free telehealth services. You get a huge network of doctors. You get great customer support. And you get the sense of security that comes from being a part of 400,000 people who share not just each other's medical bills, but purpose, too. MediShare is a community of Christians who pull together and pray for each other, which is very refreshing right now. If you want more info, it's so simple. You can get a price within two minutes. Call 833-34-BIBLE. That's 833-34-BIBLE. 833-34-BIBLE. 
I'm Wayne Alaroot, and I am Mr. Exercise. I've worked out one to two hours a day in my home gym every day for decades. That's how much I believe in exercise. But now it turns out I could have saved thousands of hours and used those extra hours for making money or enjoying my family simply by using the brand new X3. The X3 is a compact premium home exercise product that uses variable resistance, which 16 different research studies show is more effective than free weights for building speed, strength, muscle, and avoiding injury. And it only takes 10 minutes a day. The X3 was invented by best-selling author Dr. John Jackwish, well-known for inventing a medical device that reverses osteoporosis. The X3 is portable and easily stored. X3 is used by dozens of professional athletes, including NFL and NBA players, to replace weightlifting. Get your X3 today. Go to X3Bar.com. Enter promo code WAR and save $75. That's X3Bar.com. X3Bar.com. Mounds and mounds of fur. Our hairballs have hairballs. Our cat mama, she's 10 years old. She has dandruff and an oily coat. I have two cats, Zippy and Daisy. Daisy sheds like crazy. If you love your pets as much as I do, you want to do what's best for them to live long, healthy, happy lives. D-I-N-O-V-I-T-E dot com. I just tried this wonderful, catalicious Dynavite for cats, and my cat has been on it for two weeks. She is not scratching anymore. She's not chewing anymore. It is just the best. I was thrilled when I heard Dynavite for cats was coming out because I would seen the changes in my dog. To introduce my cat to Dynavite, I took the advice from Dynavite and put their food on top of just a scoop in the bowl just to get them used to it because I know if I even switch one little thing, they put their nose up to it. There was not one problem. Dynavite for life. You won't believe how happy your cat will be. D-I-N-O-V-I-T-E dot com. Welcome back. You are listening to the Loving Liberty Network. I'm your host, Elaine England, with Love Liberty Mom, Kristen Chevrier. We're talking about SB 195, and we're talking about um, orders of constraints and stay-at-home orders, and this is what they actually put right in the law. Lines 468 through 471, establishes, maintains, and enforces isolation or quarantine. So it's like saying the government can enforce isolation or quarantine establish, maintain, or enforce a stay-at-home order, exercises physical control over property or individuals. I just hate that language. And requires an individual to perform a certain action or engage in certain behavior, thus the masks, telling us the government can force us or require us to perform a certain action and engage in certain behaviors. So I see this as very problematic because right now it's masks, which I think are bad enough, um, especially because this, of the science, because of the reality of the science. And then, um, of course, could they not put in there that we could be forced to vaccinate? Because it says that an indiv- they, they, the government can require an individual to perform a certain action or engage in certain behavior. So I would like that particular language to be taken out. I'm very concerned about it and, and also enforce isolation. This doesn't sound like America at all. Yes, Kristen. So I am curious to know where this, I know this language is in code already. 
Um, it is in, sure in a different is. part of code. So how I've heard this explained is that they can currently they can make a rule, but in order to make a rule, they have to go through a certain procedure, and it's a it's a detailed and slow procedure, and it's also only directed at an isolated individual or group. It's not a blanket order like for the whole state. They couldn't do it for the whole state. It would have to be like for well, a it actually restaurant. says online. On line 463, it actually says it applies to all or substantially all yeah. individuals so, or certain so group of individuals. So what this is doing is taking what, what used to be, it's taking the order, which is a quick and less, um, less onerous type of yes. thing. Right. And a rule, which is supposed to have a longer process, but can be a lot more restrictive. And it's combining them both into order of constraint. Exactly. Right? Am I understanding that that's right? right? Yes. Yes, that's exactly right. And it's okay. under the criminal and civil penalties. So that is also very concerning because it's under, it's different when it's civil penalties, but, but you don't want it under criminal penalties criminal that ends up with a criminal record and um and that but but what we also know is they're doing it right now it's under civil um, but they're finding ways to still find people and charge them under criminal orders anyway okay, my friend so that's was the at the doctor then. that's the difference between yeah. having criminal and civil criminal gives you a record and civil it's much okay. worse to have a criminal than it is a civil action. Okay. C civil action is nowhere near as egregious as a criminal action. Um, but what's happening right now is they're taking people that are have done civil offenses and they're turning them into criminal offenses by saying, oh, you didn't wear a mask? That's a civil action. So they're saying they're charging them with trespassing, with unlawful trespassing, which is a criminal act. So my friend goes to the doctor. She has an appointment. She didn't trespass. They had an appointment. She said, I don't need to put a mask on because I've already had COVID and I don't wear them and I don't need one because there's no one in this room. There's no one for me to breathe on. I'm, I'm well with outside of six feet of anybody, but they called the police and had her arrested. And then they, because they couldn't arrest her because she wasn't wearing a mask, they arrested her for trespassing. And she wasn't trespassing because she had an appointment. They welcomed her in there so um yeah so this is they're getting around it anyway but they're having to stretch that's completely unconstitutional what they're doing so um this is a part that really needs to be left under civil if we're going to keep it in i'd like to have it removed altogether but if we're going to keep it it needs to be put under civil and not under criminal so that's where we have to be really really careful so um, there's a lot of other bills that have been up at the legislature, and I don't want to neglect those bills because they're also extremely important. And so I'm, I'm very, very sad to say last night, HB 302 is the women's sports bill. And all it does is say women compete against women. DNA, not about your feelings, not about how you identify. I self-identify as a doctor. I self-identify as a therapist. Does that make me one? Should everyone come to me as a doctor because I self-identify as one? This bill simply says that no matter how you self-identify, 
to play on women's sports, you have to have the DNA of a woman. To play on men's sports, you have to have the DNA of a man. I don't know why that's confusing or hard for people, but they we did, we did not have senators that had the courage and the integrity to vote for this bill and to support it. They would not, so they they tabled it. And I find that an absolute travesty. Do you have anything to say on that, Kristen? So I didn't hear the hearing, but I know that Mike Kennedy was not among the people who who killed it. So do you know what, what Absolutely. did he do? Mike Kennedy voted to, he did not want to table it. He wanted to vote, um, but he was outnumbered. He was either the only oh. person or maybe one other person. It was hard to tell. Okay. So, um, but they did vote to table it. And so that is a place we really need to start with our legislators. We need to help them understand. We want them to embrace truth. We want them to stand up and speak truth. We elected them to tell the truth and vote for the truth. And the truth is people who self-identify, it doesn't make them what they self-identify as. And, and gender dysphoria is a mental illness. And it's, very, it's a very real thing. And I really have nothing but empathy and compassion for people. And I want them to feel good. And I want them to have sports. I think sports are super healthy for everyone. But they can create their own, their own trans, transgender or bigender um, sports teams, just like the women did. We worked for 50 years to get women's sports. It's been long, and now it will be completely destroyed. Um, another really important bill that I think is very important is HB 177. What it's health education. This is so important. This is a big game changer, and legislators can't see it. It's taking our current sex education and it's adding in consent. And consent is something that legally un minors cannot do. They cannot consent even to, even to being tested for COVID. They can't even consent to that because they're minors. But they cannot consent to sexual activities. They cannot consent to an, a sexual invitation. And so this bill, it says right in there that that we're going to educate them, children, on how to not consent to sexual activities if they don't want to. Now, what does the child hear when you say you don't have to do that if you don't want to? What do they hear when you say that? You can do it if you want to. But you can if you do want to. So that is basically, and we have, we already have in code and in our sex education, refusal skills, which is what minors need to be taught and what they need to do is exactly. to know how to yes. refuse sexual advancements or sexual invitations, how to refuse those, because legally, whether they refuse them or not, they cannot consent to them. That is a very important bill, and that bill is on the House floor. It's circled, but the minute it comes up, we need to have our letters and our emails and our texts ready to send our legislators and say, please vote no on HB 177, we do not need consent taught to our children. We need refusal skills, which are already being taught. Another bill that is really very controversial is SB 205, election process. This is a really important bill. It's a very difficult bill because it, it's, it's hard, but I, I would ask people to support the bill because it's not, again, it's not a perfect bill, but it does give the 
parties a, an opportunity to choose how they choose their own people that represent their party. So it gives them a lot of, it gives them four different options and it is much better than what we currently have. And so we have to like, if it's better than what we have, we can keep working towards it. So that's SB205. Thank you so much for being with us, Kristen. We appreciate all of you out there. Hope that you will get engaged because you are the guardians of your liberty. Thank you so much. Have a beautiful day.